Do you live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Okay, welcome in to this Friday, October 22nd edition of the show. We are on the eve of game day, homecoming. ECU hosting the Charlotte 49ers, and the Pirates are looking for their first FBS win. They're looking for their first conference win. Same thing for the Charlotte 49ers, so we'll talk about that. And a whole lot more. We've got Joseph Sampson in studio. It is a Joey Football Friday. Joe, how's it going? It's going great. I can't lie. I'm very excited to see what's going to go on display tomorrow, whether it's a hard-nosed 10-3 to kind of game or if it's an offensive blowout where it's like 48-45 and the defense has got left at home. I think the odds of that one are slim. I mean, there's, there's no in-between. It's either going to be one of those old-school Big Ten, 10-3, somebody scored a touchdown late on, like, power eye from, like, 13 yards out, or it's going to be 48-45. We can't keep the offenses off the field. We'll preview ECU's Charlotte. We also got to make our game picks. We'll give uh, – we'll pick East the spread. By the way, a certain somebody, Steven Igo, <laughs> oh, is uh, making a climb up the standings. I'm chasing down Philip Pilkington. Philip, can you feel the heat? Uh, yeah, a little bit, especially after that abysmal week I had last week. I think yeah, I missed like, something like five straight games at one time between the end of college and the beginning of pro. So uh, I'm feeling it. Got to uh, got to get my junk together, that's for sure. I uh, am three games back of Phillip, who's 35-32-4. I'm 32-35-4 after just quite possibly the worst start in the history of picking games. It ain't about how you start, though. It's yeah. about how you finish. There's still a long, long, long way time to go. to go. I mean, we still are... I mean, we're on NFL like week what yeah, seven? seven. My, mean, my NFL picks have been fine. I just keep getting yeah. hosed when it comes to pushes in college games. Joseph Sampson has the best record in the NFL, so I mean you can claim your number yeah, one. Yeah, I, I pick pro ball. I know it. I know my ball. Seventeen, fourteen, and one in pro college. Eleven, twenty-five, and one. So yeah, I mean uh, I tough, just man. keep getting bad beats. Oh, Bad the beats. line's four? Yeah, okay. We covered three and a half. That's how it goes, man. By the way, new did we get a new camera or something? I don't Philip? know. We look. I feel like the, the setup changes every time I come back to the studio. <laughs> I don't know. They were all moved this morning, and I had to move them back. They look, I think they're the same cameras. But it looks good. I mean, we look looks, crisp. I feel like yeah, it looks good. I just know my angle, like every day, my angle to the TV is blocked <laughs> or see. unblocked. So. Oh, oh, can you can you see the TV? But I actually, I actually can see myself today. So oh, there we go. Yeah, that's actually we need a, to a problem. I'm put my, the my, marking tape on the floor. We, we know where to put them. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Uh, we are live on YouTube and Facebook. If you guys got a question for us, let us know. We've talked a, a decent amount about ECU Charlotte already with Joe. We had him on Tuesday's program. And so we'll get back into some of that here before we wrap up this segment. Then we'll make our college picks. Then we'll make our NFL picks. We had basketball media day yesterday. We recapped that on the show. Women's basketball media day is coming up today at 1. Hoist the colors in 94.3 the game on our respective uh, YouTube pages. We'll have coverage of those as well as, you know, both of our uh, websites and everything. So stay tuned for that. I just want to bring, bring up the, the fact, guys, that I feel like East Carolina football – has gone into the tank just to sacrifice itself for all other ECU sports. 
I don't know if y'all have been paying attention. Volleyball got another win last night. They beat Memphis. They are 17-4 and yeah. overall. They are 8-2 and two in the conference. The women's soccer team went on the road. They got a very quality win last night over SMU, one nothing, And they are, are near the top of the league as well. They just qualified for the American tournament. They're now 9-3-4. and four. And we talked about, you know, cross country this week. They're about to host a championship. So, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of hype for basketball. Yeah. What, right. What's going on? We're Has, building. I mean, are we tanking football to win in every other sport? Listen, I mean, Thanos said a soul for a soul. So if that's what it takes right now, I mean, we're, we're building here. But the real story here is that all of these teams that people were so concerned about coming into the American and they wouldn't bring anything to the table. Rice is second right now in the West in their division for volleyball. Rice, Hogwarts. That's just not something we could have predicted at the beginning of the year, and that's what most of these schools were. Is every single one was brought in for a different type of reason. Volleyball, baseball, softball, soccer. I mean, cross country also has some great programs there historically. North Texas is one of those ones that you hear about every year when you get into it. And Football wasn't on the agenda, obviously, the regional differences and trying to bring in the big markets like Houston with Rice after you replace Houston, actually, and then going to get Charlotte to create a rivalry. But you were trying to build something that was more than just a football conference. And so what you're saying is we made it a volleyball power. Yeah, volleyball powerhouse. So Soccer's by, solid still. Yeah, yeah soccer is three losses are to ranked opponents. I'm just saying like the conference. Yeah. It's like a decent conference. The conference is good, and then they'll be in the conference tournament with last night's win, so they'll be able to you know potentially punch their ticket to the big dance for the conference tournament. And I tell you what, guys, uh, 24-7 sports, they give me a travel budget, and a lot of it is dependent upon what ECU football is doing. I'm probably not going to be able to go to UTSA next week because the Pirates at this point – aren't really in a position to qualify for a bowl. But That's a womp womp moment. East Carolina next Friday in volleyball takes on Rice in Houston, <laughs> Texas. You're going back. What are the odds He's going back. The, uh get the approval to make the trip? By the way, the two-game road swing, I assume they're going to stay on the road, at Rice and then at Tulsa. Two days, uh, one on Friday at Rice and then Sunday at Tulsa. So just maybe so, we should hit the road yeah, swing. Yeah, what you're saying is, hypothetically, it's next week. So yep. you could go Rice Friday, go to San Antonio yeah. for Saturday, swing back through Oklahoma on Sunday, and create the 24-7 greatest road trip of all time. It, it would easily be the greatest road trip of all time. I think I just found my pitch. I think we just to, did it. Uh, to management. So I'm going to have to try to pull that off. <laughs> uh, ECU Volleyball hosting Memphis today at 1 o'clock. So that's coming up in the next hour. So that'll be a big game Fired as up. Uh, the Pirates try to win their 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th, 6th game in a row. If they can pull it off over the Tigers, they won last night 3 nothing. They swept it. So we'll see what they do today. And, again, soccer doing well. Cross-country championship coming up. So really excited about ECU sports. All right, Pirate football. It is homecoming week, and it's a chance at a win. I mean, ECU is favored for the first time this year, Joe, against an FBS opponent. Yep. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. They moved to six-and-a-half? Six-and-a-half. Oh, so, boy. unfortunately, it's coming down. I think it started <laughs> at eight or nine with the seven-and-a-half, and, and, yeah. and now it's six-and-a-half. What are your feelings as we sit here 26 hours, technically 25 hours and 53 minutes away from kickoff? It's either going to be a barn burner or a bar fight. There will be no in between. It's either going to be what one of those. A pillow fight? 
No, no pillow fight. This, okay. These are two extremely physical teams. You saw how Charlotte played against Navy. I mean, Navy didn't score until the fourth quarter, and even then it was two. They've got a good defense. I mean, yeah, they've, they've got a good defense. They have 60 different players from the program that weren't there last year. The, Biff Pogge just kind of rebuilt it from the ground up, and that's what you do when you come in with that kind of pull and that kind of hype with the boosters. And he was at Michigan, and they give him credit for turning the program around and, and beating the team up or beating the team down south. Um, and that's just kind of what he's going to do and what he's going to do as it gets older as a program. But it's young now, and he's got a great staff. So this is either going to be one of those smash mouth, thirteen to seven. 10 to 3, one of those old school games, or it will be a barn burner where you won't understand what defense is on the field because it's just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. How does ECU handle Charlotte's pass rush, specifically this guy? I'm going to try to pr- pronounce his name. He's an Alabama Michigan transfer. Yeah. Iabi Oki Anoma. Yeah. Otherwise, I, be- I believe that's correct. Number zero. <laughs> he has 18 pressures, three sacks. Two hits, 13 hurries, according to Pro mm-hmm. Football Focus. He's got 30 tackles. So this guy's everywhere. He's on the edge. He's You'll a see him a lot, a lot. He's basically near the top of the team in uh, in snaps. And, again, big-time recruit out of high school. Played with Biff, Biff Pogey at uh, St. Francis Academy. And he's going to be rushing the edge. And we know that, look, ECU got – Torched up front last week. It was a problem. Mm-hmm. So how do you handle handle this guy and the rest of their pass rushers if you're Donnie Kirkpatrick? Well, the first thing you do is either you keep a tight end in protection and you go with a true six-man protection and you get the back out so you can give him kind of layoff route to the quarterback and give him a chance to get the ball out if it's hot. Or you bring all of them in and all of a sudden you're now running three-man route concepts because you've gone max pro and you've got eight guys in. So the only thing you can do, or seven guys in, and the only thing you can do is run three-ran routes, and when you do that, you limit yourself so much to double moves, deep passes, deep overs, and you can't do these crazy things that kind of scheme people open. You have to kind of hit long, methodical drives and build the run off that with some play action, and I don't think that's what Kirkpatrick wants to do. He's a true West Coast spread kind of thing where he wants to spread everybody out as far as possible and kind of create space, so if anything, you got to get the ball out as fast as you can this week, a lot of screens, a lot of quick game a lot of layoffs to running backs on swing passes and perimeter runs. So things we're watching going into tomorrow, a Javius Bond status. I I don't necessarily, and this is no inside information, I don't really right. expect him to play. Mm, I didn't just, hear anything either. Just because, I mean, you get hurt like that, it's only been nine days, yeah. uh, hamstring injury. Like it, it, If he plays, he's probably not going to be 100%. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, you know, maybe he ended up being – just fine, and, and you know, I, I don't have any inside information one way or the other. The quarterback situation, we saw Mason Garcia play his most extended stretch since, what, probably Marshall? Yeah, I would say. probably Marshall. And first uh, half, yeah. some things to build off of there. Do they start Mason? Do they go with Flynn for the fifth consecutive game? That's kind of another storyline. Offensive line-wise, we just talked about it. Do you make any personnel changes up front? Because, quite honestly, last week, SMU's front's good, but – you just got to be better. I mean, you got to be able to hold up better uh, up front. You know, Steve Logan says it all the time, get run over slowly. Yeah. Uh, don't let them just run free. Die in your gap. Yeah, I mean, you just got to do what you got to do to slow those guys down. Otherwise, you don't have a chance. So those are the things offensively I'm watching. Defensively, what quarterback does Charlotte play? They got the yeah. bubble kid, Jalen uh, Jones, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, Ivy, the the pocket passer. And Biff Pogey has even talked about maybe playing another guy. So those are kind of the things that I'm looking for. How about you? Any of those or anything yeah. else? It, 
the Charlotte is such a unique kind of opponent to look at right now because Jones last week played receiver. Yeah. He went out, flexed out wide. I think he was playing X on the backside of what would have been the strength of the formation as a solo guy. Like, just single, let him do what he's going to do. And his ability to understand what the defenses are going to be and have that knowledge base from being a quarterback and knowing where the weak spots are can be extremely dangerous, especially when we're such a high-pressure packed defense like ECU runs where everybody's coming at least once a drive. And when you look at that and you put in the packet passers and you give him a chance to kind of have his guy to go to, it can get really dangerous really fast. It'll be interesting. Two o'clock kickoff will be the time for Saturday. Again, we'll have pregame coverage starting at 11 a.m. Is that correct, Philip? Yep. 11 a.m. on 94.3 The Game with Patrick Johnson. I am currently scheduled to appear at 12 noon. Joe, you'll be on site, I assume? I I believe so. That's what they tell me. You'll be breaking down and setting up the... The, uh, oh, yeah. The equipment? Yeah. Yep. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. Master of none. Swiss Army knife, Philip Pilkington. <laughs> Brad Smith, the Swiss Army knife? He does it all as well. Dom out there and uh, others as well. So looking forward to tomorrow, and we'll get more into ECU Charlotte when we make our game picks on the other side. Let's get a break in. We will come back. We will move into our college picks segment. Can I keep it rolling after my best week of picking ever? Will I be able to have another lock of the week that can deliver anywhere close to Jets over Eagles? I don't think I can follow that up. <laughs> no, uh, I'll try Jets are on the bus. Yep, we can't go Jets again, so i got to come up with something new. Honestly, at this time, don't know what I'm doing, uh, so i have to figure it out. Joseph Sampson will try to redeem himself. Lock of the week and Philip Pilkington, after picking the easiest lock of the week and losing, will also try to redeem himself after the 49ers let him down. So we'll talk about that. On the other side, this is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. All right, there's Mike Houston. Welcome back in Hoist the Colors. Does that bring you back? I just Joe? flashed back. I mean, my helmet's on. Purple Haze is about to play. Let's go kick off. What was it like being a part of those pregame speeches? A uh, lot of yelling. Good yelling, but like it's usually his, his go-to is it's going to be a, a four-quarter dogfight, and it's going to be about who knocks out who at the end. It's going to be one of those high-intensity ball games, run through their expletive face. He just he gets you like ready to run through a wall. Uh, I think we had somebody who actually did before one of the bowl games, like just tried to headbutt a wall. There's so much. Might have been me. <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah. There's so like there's only so much you can say for a football game. So like he finds a way. That's what I was gonna ask. Like yeah. does the message not get repetitive? I mean it has to at times, but I guess he just comes up with a new theme or something yeah. each week. It's one of those things where yes, it gets repetitive, but you you want it to be like that's like the the point of the week is like right. finish or fight through it or like take him to the end. It's gonna be win it in the fourth quarter. Like whatever his message was Tuesday in the team meeting is usually what runs through to Sunday or Saturday. Joe, I gotta ask, what was yeah. the craziest thing that's ever happened during a pregame speech? You head button wall because we had a kid one year, <laughs> my senior year, he was he was one of our starters, three year star on varsity, gave the pregame speech instead of the coach, punched a locker, mm. broke his hand, mm. played the game with a broken hand and then showed up next week with a club, you know. Still played with a broken hand. He was a D lineman, so it wasn't a big deal. We had a he was a strength coach. Strength coach like knocked over one of the dumbbell racks in the weight room because he was just like so amped up. He was like, "Yeah!" and like threw it. I think he's at Texas Tech now. So like we were just like, "Oh my god!" And we just went out. And I think it was uh might have been the Thursday Temple game, like my freshman year, and it was the blackouts. Like we were just 
amped up, and then the lights went out at halftime. Like, that was just one of the crazier moments. Uh, I don't know if we have anything crazy player-wise. Like, I headbutted the wall before the Birmingham Bowl, but, you know, I'm what we call a psychopath. You had definitely had a helmet on? Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. Don't <laughs> that probably that means one no. For a while. <laughs> That's bad. That sounds painful. I had a... No, the problem is, it's like, I just stopped feeling... Because, like, when I was a kid, I used to just headbutt a wall, like, get me going before Pop Warner games, because, again, psychopath. Um, to the point where my... Pop Warner coach nicknamed me Psycho J because I was just doing it like in the parking lot, like I'm gonna headbutt something. Yeah, better than Joey Football. No, no, Joey Football is awesome. Psycho J makes me sound like I need to be in a mental institution. Um, so never anything more than like that kind of crazy. But we did Adi Amatosha at one point was meditating and like had all the stones around him, and like Houston was like Adi, come up here, and I was like, bro, I'm aligning my chakras. Give me ten, and then he went out and had like four catches for 85 yards. We're like, all right. Do what you got to do, Audie. That's hilarious. Was there one <laughs> pregame speech outside of the Birmingham Bowl, which you probably don't remember, that like really stood you the most? Like just where y'all went out immediately and just kind of just destroyed the opposing team? Uh, yeah, the SMU one from 2020. He was like, listen, I know you guys want to get to the point where we're into a bowl game and trying to get to that spot, but like it starts today. Like they don't think you're supposed to be here. Nobody thinks you're supposed to be here. They're not expecting you. Be the program. Be the team we know we can be. And we went out, and I think it was like 45-7 Yeah, 45-7 at half. We're in the locker room just like amped up, ready to go, and we just kept laying it on them. And then at halftime, he's like, all right, guys, we can take the foot off the gas. And no. And they almost came back and won. No, it was nothing like that. It was <laughs> keep at their neck. And then right. obviously they woke up because they were a sleeping giant that year with their offense, and they went to the – Shane Bichel. Yeah, the Dallas good. Bowl, I think it was, or, or something, and then it got canceled from COVID. But, like, they were headed somewhere. One of the 40 bowls they have in Dallas. Yeah. There's basically. a lot. Tony Hicks says, all I can all I can say is all I want. That's a mouthful. All I can say is all I want for Christmas, and I never ask for much, he says, <laughs> is for ECU's offense to show some life in the final half of the season, and that can start with the Charlotte game. You can. I, I think we're all with you. Although I do, throughout the scenario, would you take a 1-11 football season for an NCAA tournament berth in basketball? Me? Just ECU Nation, Pirate Nation in general. Don't ask me. I'm, I'm a selfish guy. I'd say absolutely not. But that's because, you know, my moniker it lives and breathes off of football. So I right. can't – I'm not Joey Basketball. That's, that's not going to happen. What's going to happen? Are you going to be here during basketball season? I, I don't know. You tell me. Are you firing me as soon as football season's over? Like, am I just unemployed? Got to go back to my box? We can't call you Joey Football. <laughs> we can call you Psycho J during right. basketball season. There we go. That. Run it back. Or, uh, what, uh, what nickname did Patrick give you last week? Uh, Scoops. Scoop Samson. Scoop yeah, Samson. That sounds like an ice cream shop in the Midwest. Yeah, it really does. I'd say what if you try to apply yourself to hoops like you have a football and right. give it your all. All right. Give my all we'll for you. We'll find a role for you. Your last name is Hoist the Colors. There you go. Your last name is HTC. <laughs> all right. Let's get into some picks, fellas. Uh, that's an ECU thing. All right. Your last name is ECU. It's at the top of the meeting room. Shout out, Mike Houston. For those who aren't aware. Um, all right. So. We went three one and one. Notice that I only bring this stuff up when I have a good week. Last week I went three one and one. History is written by the victors. You guys went two two and one, which is respectable. I mean that's solid. Five hundred and bad beat and and betting solid. We all had a push for Oregon U Dub. Bad beat. Should have won that. I don't get me started because I Dan mean, Lanning might have made the dumbest coaching decision yeah. of all time. And and Sean Payton. Did you already forget what Miami did? Like. 
two weeks no, ago? No, no, because at least, at least that decision. game, like, yeah, in theory, you're putting it away, you're trying to run out clock. I could see the point of that, and he's done it before, where he tries to ice the game because they had two timeouts. Dan Lanning was fourth and two in his own territory and ran a fake screen run play when they had been airing it out the whole day. And then came off the side of them and was like, you know what? That's fine. We'll be okay. And then proceeded to let Michael Pinnock score in 13 seconds. Yeah, it was bad. Nicholas Priest says he would take a 111 football season for baseball and to break the door down to Omaha. All right, maybe. I think Fair if you enough. could guarantee Omaha and NCAA tournament yeah. for a 111 football season, yeah, okay. Pirate Nation would take it. Maybe. And Joe would not. Joey football would not. Psycho J would. <laughs> As uh, we uh, continue to go down oh this road, uh, Tony Hicks also says, "Sorry, lots to say, but I was it was depressing to watch James Madison slap Marshall last night and see Rice stomp Tulsa. I was just thinking, are our Pirates that bad? What do you two think? I mean, look, ECU is not a good football team right now. That's just point blank. Uh, Rice actually looked good, which right, I, yeah, is not the worst thing in the world. They they looked, haven't looked bad the whole season. I mean, just they the looked, UConn game got away from, them, but still, yeah. I think part of that JT Daniels was not healthy against no. ECU or UConn. And then USF he goes out late mm-hmm. in the either late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and at that point, I mean, you can't swing the game around when your star goes down like that. So they're not a bad football team by any means. They were bowl eligible last year, been bowl eligible I think the last two years before that. Because their their head coach is building a program, and that's what you do. Yeah, so I mean, look, ECU is not good. And uh, they're one and five. You are what your record says you are, and that's just the bottom line. My advice would be to just try to enjoy the college football games for what they are at this point. And uh, ECU just kind of is what it is right now. Don't frown because it's over. Smile because it happened. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. There you go. There's the the wise advice. There we go. Psycho J. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, Penn State at Ohio State. <laughs> Big noon game Ooh. of the week. Right off the bat, fellas. Noon kickoff. Nooner. And Ohio State is a four-and-a-half point favorite. The Buckeyes are at home in Columbus. This is Penn State's opportunity to establish themselves. Everybody's like Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. And that's all going to come to a crashing halt this week. Ohio State, this is my Anson Belt and Buckle lock of the weight. Wow. Lock of the weight. Lock of the week. Ohio State, the Buckeyes, are going to end Penn State's undefeated season. James Franklin cannot win big football games on the road, and that will continue. Give me the Buckeyes, Joe. Do we have Marvin Harrison's status? Is he is he supposed to play? Because that a will good question. that will greatly impact whether or not I go the way I'm going to go. I just want to make sure. Marvin right. Harrison Jr. As I Google him, nothing is coming back. It says because uh, I know he played last week, but they said he was like limited on a pitch count, so to speak. So I, I don't want. I'm not seeing anything. I, all I'm reading about is. Marvin Harrison Jr. wants to be perfect. All right, so well, I would assume that means he's playing. We're going to put an asterisk on this one because if it's confirmed he's playing 11.58 before they kick off, I will I will continue on this pick because I have the Buckeyes, and I, I agree James Franklin has not historically been good in big games unless for some reason it's in the Rose Bowl. It seems to be the only time he ever shows up to a big game. We are left out, and that's how it's going to stay. Somebody hand me the Brutus Buckeye head pending – Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to play football on Saturday. If he does not, I'm going to take Keegan-Michael Key's lookalike, James Franklin, and I will take the Nittany Lions. So there's an asterisk and a half and half. 
there's basically an interview of him talking, saying that he let himself down and let the team down after a 41-7 win where he had six catches for 105 yards. So I'm going to assume he's playing. Yeah. Phillip. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't play, it might be close. But it'll still be more than four and a half. Nittany Lions will be horrible in this game. They always play bad in the horseshoe. Give me O-H-I-O. O-H-I-O. Fair. And the real game of the week will follow that (laughs) at 2 o'clock. On the plus. East Carolina hosting the Charlotte 49ers on the plus. Biff Pogey, hot dog breath and all, will arrive (laughs) to Daddy Franklin Stadium. And he will be ready to go. Both teams looking for their first FBS win of 2023, first American win. East Carolina is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and I just realized I have no idea what I'm picking. I need to buy two points. In this game. Philip, how about you start us off? What are you thinking here? Um, it sounds I, like you don't know what you want yeah, to do. Yeah, I, I think the Pirates <laughs> win 17-14. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna Pirates. pick the Niners to cover the six and a half. I just uh, I, I hate to be this way. The offense has not given me reason to believe they can win a game by seven points. Not saying the team can't win. I don't know. We could have like two pick sixes and a punt return for a touchdown and win by fourteen. That wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pick Charlotte to cover. Joe. I hate you. I hate you. Uh, I, I agree with Philip, and it's no slight on anything. This is an offense that just hasn't produced, and when it gets into these tough spots, you lean on your offense to cover these big spreads because defense can only score so many points. And I worry that East Carolina cannot do it, and especially if they're up late in a ball game, uh, up seven, and they're trying to hold somebody out, and Charlie goes for the field goal. They're not going to try and score again. They'll run the clock out. So you lean to the 17-14, even if it is close like that, or the 21-17, because that's four points right there. And I have to take Charlotte to cover. And I apologize to Subdogs Nation, because Biff Pogey... It's going to wear a cutoff tonight. I think I have to agree with you guys because, like, with this offense right now, asking them to cover a touchdown spread is a lot. And so I'm going to lean on the side of caution. I think if you can get that many points right now with ECU's offense, you you take it. And, you know, if I had to bet the under for 40, I would probably bet the under. Oh, parlay? Same game parlay? I would go same game parlay. (laughs) To me – you're going to need turnovers from either side. For, yeah. You know, for either side to really crack 20. Mm. I think ECU's got a good defense. I think Charlotte's got a good defense. Uh, you're going to need a defensive score, a special team score. The odds of those things happening are less than them not happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm in my brain right now. Just I can't believe I have to actually pick this game. And uh, so I'm going to ECU wins. Yeah. Like 21 17, mm-hmm. but Charlotte covers. ECU outright. Charlotte covers. ECU outright. Michael Jones, a.k.a. Bonds Johns, uh, in the chat says, amazing the level of just trying to ignore how bad ECU is right now. I guess that's the only option when there's fear you'll get blacklisted if you push too hard. Bonds Johns, a.k.a. Michael, look, (laughs) I don't care. I'm not going to get blacklisted from covering ECU events. I mean, that would be a story in itself. This is Steven Igo we're talking about. We just talked about, I just said ECU is a bad football team right now. They're not good. What else do you want me to say? We're ba- we're picking them to barely beat yeah, Charlotte. We picked ECU to win. It's not like we're sitting up here and going out oh, forty-two nothing Charlotte. We yeah. were picking this with legitimate thought, insight, 
and actual like stats in front of us. You you pull up PFF week in and week right. out. We evaluate. These it. are not fabricated statistics. These are not fabricated games we're talking about. This is real life. And unfortunately for everyone, we need to accept that ECU is not the ECU of old. I agree. I do have one question. Yeah, you said up? you would parlay Charlotte covering with the under. Would you add to that parlay that Biff Pogey stage dives at Sean Kingston tonight <laughs> after like 14 sub crushes? I mean, there's gosh, fired up. If I had the opportunity to do that, I'd probably probably parlay that as well. <laughs> I mean, if you're Biff, like, and you get into that sub dog's environment on a Friday evening, I think he's going to be feeling himself. Maybe, maybe that plays into it. Maybe that's where. ECU steals it late because Biff Pogies hung over. You still remember, like I said, there's Sean Kingston two blocks away. Like, Fire burning. Yeah. Just everything. I think if I, – I really want to go to Sups just to see, like, does Biff have a posse or does he just, like, roll up Yeah, is it just a single – and is it cut off? Is it the team-issued tracksuit? Is he going to wear, like, the true suit and tie like what? What Biff Pogi are we getting? Are we getting the party? He wearing no suit and tie. Kind of. That's not even on the bingo card. No, if but if that would be or... the most Biff Pogi thing ever. Everybody's expecting the cutoff or like a stained T-shirt, and he pulls up in a full suit. <laughs> that's a good point. That would be very Biff. Uh, so we're all on Charlotte to cover. Yeah, you see about right. And we're all on Ohio State to cover. This is right, not off so, to a good start. Uh, this is how I protect my lead. I'm just gonna pick what you guys <laughs> yeah. pick. The parlay is looking like. Uh, Penn State and ECU right yeah. now. All right, Tennessee is at Alabama. This is uh, mid-afternoon kickoff, I believe. Alabama, the nine-point favorite at home. I really haven't seen too much of Tennessee this year. I've watched a lot of Alabama. And Alabama feels, you know, Tennessee has only played one road game, and they lost right. at Florida. But nine points... I guess I'm going Tennessee here. I don't feel great about it. I don't. I don't have a good read on this game. I'm going Tennessee to cover the nine. I could easily see Alabama winning by ten to fourteen, but I'm going uh, Vols, Joe. I'm so glad you've brought this to me because there's many times where I have picked against the patriarch of my household, and that is uh, Donnie Football, as we refer to him in closed doors. I'm going to make my father happy here, which is why it's my Anson Belton Buckle lock of the week that Alabama rolls over Tennessee by two scores. Give me the tide. Don yeah. Sampson says don't bet against the GOAT. He said that a minute ago. It's like I, he's I like, didn't, Dad. It's like he's reading the future. See, I have seen Tennessee play a few times this year, and I think that Malik Hooker is really missing Jalen Hyatt right now. He, uh, he would sell a soul for Danny Dimes to give him back. The offense has not looked good. I don't think they can score enough to really hang with it. They might keep it close for a while. But, uh, yeah, Bama by at least two touchdowns. This is the uh, the best rivalry name of any game, <laughs> the third Saturday in, in October. I love that. Like Every every rivalry game should have like a specific date or like like a something moniker. around the calendar, Todd, not just like the Egg Bowl or whatever. You know, The, the third most, Saturday in October. The is most fierce game the third week. Of what do, October. What do we have for Charlotte ECU? The Sup Dogs Bowl. <laughs> that would be us in Carolina. They're I know, but it's Biff Bogey. I'm trying. Uh, it's not going to last. Damn. Something about gold, because you got the Pirates in gold and the 49ers in gold, you know, as mm. far as mining for gold and searching gold, for gold. Gold cup? I don't know. Yeah. This isn't Harry Potter. Hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm just starting, the, I'm starting the discussion. Uh, Duke FSU. 
FSU, 14.5-point favorite. The, you know, Riley Leonard. That's his name, right? Yeah, Riley Leonard. Did, Riley, Philip, did you donate your ankle to him yeah. in support? That will change the picks if you gave it up. I haven't yet. Oh, Maybe okay. I should tonight. All right. You have surgery. Oh. Put it on ice. Yeah. Riley Leonard, I, you know, if he plays, he's not going to be near 100%. I'm no. not expecting him to play. But 14.5 is a lot. They are just begging you to take FSU with this line, but Duke has shown the ability to hang around in these games. They've been in some big games. They played Notre Dame. They played Clemson well. And I think they keep this close. I think they find a way to keep it within 14, and I'm going Duke, road, dog, to cover FSU outright. Joe? There aren't many times you pick against the Seminoles in Tallahassee, and this is not one of those times. I have doubted Mike Norvell in the past. I'd like to issue a public apology because I said he was a pretender at the beginning of the year because I chose Brian Kelly and his family to win, and I was proven wrong, and I will be proven wrong many times after that because I believe in FSU this weekend, and that's why I take the Seminoles at home. You have to issue the same public apology. I did call them posers week one. But uh, I think even if Riley Leonard plays, it'd be different if it was an upper body injury, but it's Mm -hmm. a lower body injury. So much of Duke's offense is on Riley Leonard's ability to scramble. He's not going to be able to do that even if he plays. It's... I think Duke keeps it close for a while. I think it's 10 (laughs) late, and then FSU punches one in the end zone to put away, win by 17. Give me the Knowles. You guys are on the Knowles and Bama. This could be a big, big swing right here. It could. I'm able to hit all these. Uh, The tide didn't roll. Utah is at USC. USC coming off just an absolute abysmal performance. And you guys know I love the bounce back. USC is a seven-point favorite. The only thing that scares me about this game is Utah has won the last three games in this series. And if USC struggles with anything, as we just saw, it's usually with that physical nature, which is what Utah provides. So, But I still think Caleb Williams is too good. I think Lincoln Riley is too good. I think they have an answer this week. They're at home. I'm going USC Trojans by more than a touchdown. Joe? Uh, I take the Utah Utes. Lincoln Riley throughout his career has had kryptonite, and it's always the team you least expect. When he was at Oklahoma, he couldn't beat Kansas State. We saw that many times, ruined a lot of good seasons. I think the Utes do the same thing over in Southern California, which is why if there's any team you take in the Pac-12 that is basically free money, it's the Utes. Give me Utah. Lincoln's not getting his butt kicked two weeks in a row. He bounces back. Give me the Trojans. There was a time that Virginia Tech was Lincoln Riley's kryptonite at East Carolina. Mm-hmm. He could not score. Nope. And then finally, he found the answer. He's going to find the answer again this week. And USC will roll over Utah. All right, let's get a break in. <laughs> good, good. Uh, I don't know why I made that all dramatic. Bum, bum, bum. Good, uh, good segment, fellas. Good segment. Uh, we talked. We we did what Michael wanted to. We addressed how bad ECU football is. Uh, hopefully that keeps him happy for a little bit. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll transition to NFL. And pretty good, pretty good docket this week. So we'll get into those games. No Jets, no Panthers in action. So we got some other games to pick. Unfortunately, my Broncos are in action. We'll do that on the <laughs> other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday, a Joey Football Friday, a Psycho J Friday. We'll be right back. Here there be pirates. Back to hoist the colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? Welcome back in to hoist the colors on this Friday, our final segment of the show. And we talked a lot about ECU Charlotte all week long. We're going to talk 
some NFL now. We just did our college picks. Let's do our NFL picks as well, fellas. And pretty good slate of games this week. We'll start with Lions at the Ravens, possibly the second best game of the week. Sunday nights, we'll get into that. We'll probably be the best game. But Lions-Ravens, really good game. Ravens are always good at home. That's why they're the three-point favorite here. The Lions are 5-1. and one. And Joe Heck and I yeah. were talking during the break. It's very tempting to take the Lions here. I don't think I can do it. I think I'm going Ravens at home, M&T Bank Stadium. They're just they're just good there. They find a way. So I'm going Ravens minus three to cover. Interesting. Joe. To my friend, my dog Keaton Mitchell, I apologize for what I'm about to do. Because if there's one coach in the NFL that I would pick through hell or high water, it is Dan Campbell biting off kneecaps, quad espressos, dropping extra shots into them, taking them to the face, burying actual game film, and doing what tight ends do, which is win gritty football games, which is why the Lions will go in to Baltimore and win. Phil? I'm just, I, I, I think these teams are so evenly matched, so, so I'm, I'm doing the cliche thing and picking the home team. Give me the Ravens. Okay. Grit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. When you have kind of that that double, even matchup, you just go with the home team by default. Keith Mitchell, I guess John Harbaugh said there's a chance he could make his running back debut mm-hmm. this week. So you expecting any offensive snaps, Joe? I, I lean to yes because they did cut Kenyon Drake from the practice squad, which would mean there is another spot available for Keaton to kind of get his burn as far as an offensive player. But I also know that if there's one thing Harbaugh does, it's stash special teams players until like mid to end of the year to really have a fresh running back. And the Jets did it last year with Bam Knight and just kind of kept him on ice until they needed him. So I lean to no. I don't think it'll be this week. If anything, I think it would be the week after or even after their bye, which I think is week nine. Maybe. So it's coming. Just it's coming. I just yet. don't think it's this week. I think it's too early. They want to make sure his hamstrings, a hundred or his shoulder. I mean, it's a hundred percent. Packers at Broncos. Packers are one point favorite. Somehow Denver keeps getting respect in these home games. Well, and I just don't. The Packers are also awful. Are they that bad? I think so. But we'll get to that. Packers, one-point favorite at Denver, 425 kickoff, I believe. As a Denver fan, I don't. I have zero interest in watching the Broncos right now. Absolute zero. I just don't care. <laughs> I, but I'm going to pick the Broncos. I don't know why. I'm okay. going Denver at yeah. home just based off the principle that they had a little extra time. Green Bay going west. Uh, Denver played last Thursday. so And I don't think Jordan loves – Scaring me, so I feel like Denver. Denver's due to win a home game, and I feel like this is it. So, Joe. The question is, is Aaron Jones back to 100%? Because if he is, I take the Packers by a touchdown. I I don't think that the Broncos have proven time and time again. Yes, their secondary is one of the better ones in football, and they hold offenses to crazy scoring games. We saw them kind of limit the Chiefs to what they do, but they cannot stop the run. And if Aaron Jones is in a Packers uniform and ready to run all over the Denver Broncos, then I have to take the Packers. Green Bay Packers. Looks like he will try and play, come out of the bye week. I didn't even realize Green Bay had a bye, so that negates what I just said. Which also, A.J. Dillon was out there playing Farm Simulator on his bye week. He didn't go somewhere. He didn't decide to go on vacation. He stayed locked in, and he's going to be locked in for Sunday, which is why him and Aaron Jones 
the two-headed monster going to run all over the Denver Broncos. So you're going Packers. Give me Quadzilla and the Zilla. Sombrero. Anson Belton Buckle, lock of the week. Denver's defense is finally what we thought they were going to be. They went at home. They went big. Broncos by like 10. Jordan Loves throws like three interceptions. One of them's a pick six. Dude. Give me the Broncos. Dude. It is absolutely they, disgusting you're picking the Broncos. They've cut week. like <laughs> three players in the last week on and the it, defense. And, and that is going to be the difference. I'm going Broncos. Jaquan McMillan pick six. Yep, there you go. Lock of the week presented by Anson Belt and Buckle. Are you game day ready? Visit AnsonBelt.com backslash ECU. Check out their great collection of holeless belts, including ECU officially licensed buckles. Anson Belt and Buckle, the official belt of ECU athletics. They also sponsor Antoine Jackson, Mason Garcia, Tegan Wilk, and probably more in the future. Soon to be Steven Igo. I need that sponsor. I guess technically they are sponsors. So I'm reading. Yeah, but you that. need the, the actual belt. belt. Yeah, it needs to have the hoist colors logo on. I need the commercial. <laughs> I need the commercial. Uh, we'll have to work that out. So yeah, I can't believe Philip that you're honestly rolling with the Broncos as your lock. But mad respect to you for that. Well, he can't I pick the Panthers it. this week, so he had to pick somebody who we yeah. feel sorry for. That's true. Chargers. Somebody on a jersey of. <laughs> Chargers at Chiefs, five and a half point favorite. The Chiefs. I'm going Chargers. Not overthinking this one. I know what you're saying. The Chargers stink. They're awful. This is this is Chargers. This is Chargers this, football. This is what the Chargers do. This is what the Chargers do. They lose at home to terrible average teams. They go on the road to division rivals and either win or cover. Uh, this is why this line is so low. They always play the Chiefs tight. I'm going Chargers. Joe. Who's home? Kansas City. Is yeah, home. I'm taking Kansas City. I would also like to overthink this and think there's some kind of mix of jet lag or some delay where they can't get going early, and I don't think it's going to happen. Kansas City has had, I think, nine days off. Yeah, because they played Thursday. Because they played Thursday. They, they're going to be fresh. Travis Kelsey didn't get in the end zone last week, so obviously there's going to be some things that the Chargers are going to want to limit, and that's going to be Rice. That's going to be trying to stop Pacheco on the outside, and it's going to leave Kelsey wide open. And if there's one thing Pat Mahomes does, it's win at home. Give me the Chiefs, please. I'll wear my Travis Kelsey jersey on Tuesday. So last year, these two teams met twice. Chiefs won by three, and Chiefs won by three. Mm -hmm. And then in 21, Chiefs won in overtime, and then the Chargers won the other game by six. So, I mean, this is always a tight game, which is why this line is what it is. It's awesome. Uh, Phillip. I think it's a one-score game, and there are more points based off a five-and-a-half-point spread that would make me lean Chargers than Chiefs. So by that logic, because I do not think they win by two scores, give me the Chargers to cover. I think the Chiefs do win outright. I think Brandon Staley is terrible. There, I said I it. I don't love Brandon Staley. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think he's terrible. I don't think that's an opinion. I think that's a fact. It's a okay. statistical fact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after what I saw him do, and shout out to him because I made some money on the Jaguars when I live bet them at halftime to come back in that divisional game. He, he's terrible. I am so, or wild card game, he is so beyond comprehension of why he's still an NFL head coach. He has to have some kind of dirt. On one of the owners, he's got somebody he shouldn't in his phone, and I don't know why he's still the head coach of the Chargers. That's just this is just what the Chargers are, though. They this always is true. just underachieve. They are the most underachieving franchise with yeah. Philip Rivers. Did it with Anthony Lynn, Dan Fouts back in the day. Now with uh, obviously they just signed Herbert to this massive deal, mm -hmm. and they've been pretty below had, average this year. Had Philip Rivers and LaDamian Tomlinson in the same backfield and at one Antonio point. Gates. With Antonio Gates, who might be the Gosh. third greatest tight end of all time. 
and, and I, they didn't do anything, and it's it's sickening. I mean, they were fourteen. Maybe they were fourteen and two one year, and I lost. lost in the divisional round. Lost. Yeah, there was a commercial. They, they fired Marty Schottenheimer. No, they did. Schottenheimer. Don't don't even bring up Marty Schottenheimer. I'm still not over it. But they made a commercial where it was like, and Philip Rivers goes off Philip Rivers, and the commercial cut to black because that's what the season for the Chargers did in the playoffs. And it was like, that's why you need NFL Red Zone. They they banked on it. I, I cannot it stress was every week, yeah. my anger that is that Brandon Staley is still head coach. But I will take a step back so we can get to the rest. The only reason the Chargers, the only time the Chargers did underachieve, I'll make it quick, is 2008 when they had to win the last four games of the season. That's the true. Broncos had to lose the last four. Then they went to division. Sorry, I go. Yeah, I remember uh, Philip Rivers waving to Jay Cutler. Uh, <laughs> like it's still seared into my brain. That's why I can't stand Philip Rivers. Uh, Dolphins at Eagles. This is the game of the week. Maybe the game of the year Might be at this the game point. Of the year. Dolphins uh, are a two-and-a-half-point dog going to Philly. This is Sunday night football. And I, too, am not going to overthink this. Dolphins on the road. Eagles coming off a loss. I'm going to Eagles cover three-and-a-half or two-and-a-half, excuse me. I think Philly wins at home. Joe. I'm going to do something I never do, and that's lean to the team that knows how to score as opposed to the strong defense, which is why I think Mike McDaniels goes into the link and handles business with the Miami Dolphins. I got the Eagles minus two and a half. Bill is going with the Eagles. And then we got a weird, interesting game Monday night. The Vikings seem, Monday to, night. The Vikings seem to have like a pretty tough schedule this year. They're always playing a prominent team. And they're always like a one-score dog because yeah. they're still pretty good, even though they're not good. They played. I think their largest margin of loss was like seven points. Like it was one score. I don't think they've been blown out yet. Speaking of seven, they are a seven-point dog against the 49ers at home. Niners coming off a loss. Don't even know Christian McCaffrey and these people's status. Yeah. And I guess I'm going Vikings based off the uncertainty of all these players for the Niners who got hurt, like Debo and some of these other guys. Joe. But, but you're forgetting one key attribute to that, and that's a primetime game. Primetime Kirk Cousins. Primetime Kirk Cousins, which is why primetime picks, to those of you who are listening at home, is going to hit. And that is when any quarterback playing in primetime, they both will throw an interception. So you can take that to the bank. I can't make it a second Anson Belton buckle lock of the week. But if I could, I would. Because Kirk Cousins and Brock Purdy will both throw an interception, which is why the 49ers will come out on top, because that defense is going to be the difference maker in this game, not the offense. Phil? Uh, I got a weird gut feeling the Niners are gonna or the uh, Vikings are gonna win. I'm not <laughs> actually picking well. them to win, but um, I'm picking them to cover. Give me the give me give me uh, Minnesota. All right, guys. There's our NFL picks. Can't say I feel very good about any NFL picks. College, I feel decent, but uh, hopefully we can keep it rolling. We we I think together we've been on a up up surge. Yeah, we're we're getting hot. So we're uh, getting we're hot at the right time. Finishing strong or getting strong towards the middle of the year so we'll see all right guys appreciate it good show today joe thanks for coming in and we'll see thanks you tomorrow on the pregame show oh yeah can't wait same to you philip as well thank you and <laughs> sorry was that weird i didn't get my mic Felipe. Yeah, that was, uh, i was starting the music and Monday night. my mic on and yeah that's fair all right hopefully the pirates get a win so i can sing the fight song do you know the fight song with Mark Yellock all right, next all right. week. I know Make enough. Sure. We'll haze you if not like we do the freshmen. And we can do that next Thursday. Mark Yellock will be back with us. All right, ECU Shaw tomorrow at 2. We'll talk to you Monday with our reaction show. We'll see you then. Have a good weekend. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in.